welcome to Baseball Barbecue, the only podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network willing to empty its entire farm system for you, the listener. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Hello, Jordan Schusterman. The AJ Preller of Pods, Jake. We are a win now podcast. We win now. As much as we want to act like we are going to be really good in 2023, we are focused on being as good as we can right freaking now just like the San Diego Padres. Yeah. uh, I don't know if you saw, but late last night, there was a deal, a blockbuster deal. Is it a blockbuster? Because blockbuster's dead. Uh, Just (laughs) No free ads. No free ads. Uh, Big deal. Blake Snell headed to the San Diego Padres from the Tampa Bay Rays in exchange for a horde of prospects. We are going to cover every angle of it what it means for the Padres, what it means for Tampa, what it means for baseball, what it means for Blake Snell, what it means for Frankie Mejia, what it means for Jordan Schusterman, all that and more in a moment. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. It is important to note that you said last night because we are recording this on Monday and we are going to rush this to your fine ear holes as soon as possible because this is the biggest news yeah. of the offseason, at least transaction-wise. And honestly, probably the biggest move of the offseason that we will get. I think this is a bigger deal than any possible free agent deal that's going to happen unless JT Realmuto signs with like the Rockies. But assuming that doesn't happen, I think this is about the biggest uh, move we're going to see this offseason. I think you're right. And it's weird, right? Because we had our expectations set that nothing of note was going to happen until like February. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. this was a nice surprise just from the entertainment perspective. And yeah, like, you know, something like this happens. We here at Baseball Barbecue, we're going to overnight mail that to you. Yes, free ads for the USPS. (laughs) So Jordan, let's let's take a look at the actual wording of the trade. Mm. Let's let's read it out. Do you want to say... what it is. I can do that. Now, it is is worth noting as we record this uh, on Monday morning, East Coast time, we have yet to have the official announcement from either the Padres or the Rays, but it seemed like we were all pretty uh, solid on what this deal is going to consist of. Um, and hopefully it is official soon. There are no crazy, uh, maybe hopefully Machado doesn't get like thrown in at the last second. We're assuming probably not going to happen. Probably not going to happen. So as the deal currently stands, the San Diego Padres uh, will be acquiring uh, left-handed Twitch streamer Blake Snell in exchange for four very good uh, prospects. The first one is a gentleman by the name of Luis Patino. The second is a gentleman by the name of Francisco Mejia. What does Luis Patino do? Luis Patino is a right-handed pitcher. Well, we'll get to, to these prospects here uh, in a little bit. Uh, Francisco Mejia, a catcher who's now been traded uh, for a second time in his young career. Cole Wilcox, uh, who was their third-round pick uh, a couple months ago, who was really a first-round type talent, uh, another right-handed pitcher, as well as Blake Hunt uh, to balance out the Blakes in the deal, another minor league catcher uh, who's apparently been impressing lately, heading back to Tampa Bay. So that is the deal four for one. Um, Blake Snell heading to San Diego, and uh, four more very good prospects going to the best farm system in baseball. So let's 
start? So much to unpack. Onions have layers. Let's start with Blake Snell. Who is Blake Snell? What kind of pitcher is Blake Snell? What kind of human being is Blake Snell? Let's begin with Blake Snell, the baseball thrower. Jordan, he won his Cy Young in 2018. He was incredible that year. Came up with Tampa in 2015. And since then has been pretty squarely a top 10, 15 pitcher in baseball. Would you agree? I think that's fair. Um, And I think we can kind of get into, right, like what is Blake Snell right now, right? Because his 2018 season was amazing. Uh, it was also, as is a theme with Blake Snell's career, a smaller sample size than his peers. And that is a reality of, of Blake Snell that is both uh, a production of the team that he has been pitching for, as well as Blake Snell, the pitcher and the kind of pitcher that he is. And so that is maybe a, a good place to start, which is just like, how good is Blake Snell right now, right? Um, because when he wins that Cy Young in 2018, he was amazing. His ERA was under two. His stuff was phenomenal, uh, as it still is phenomenal. And it all kind of clicked, right? And it all needed to click for his ERA to be under two. Because the last two years, his ERA has been closer to three and a half, four. And why is that? Well, is this something we talked a lot about in the postseason, even before game six? Dude throws a lot of pitches, and dude throws a lot of balls, right? <laughs> that, that is that He's is a the nibbler. Play. He is He is a nibbler, which is a little frustrating to watch because he has... I think the best, especially now with Chris Sale coming back from TJ and not really knowing what he is, the best left-handed shit on earth. Best I, stuff. I believe that. Best it's stuff. Him. Yes. Best stuff coming out of a left uh, a left-handed. It's four plus pitches. Yeah. And probably the fastballs more better than that. Uh, and and that's that is that's why this is a huge deal because <laughs> there are so few humans that can throw pitches like Blake Snell. And I think we saw in game six of the World Series Mm -hmm. what the best version of Blake Snell looks like. And I think that's important because now you're not going to get that level every time out, obviously, and no one expects that. But like guys who can do that through five and whatever third innings against the fucking Dodgers in the World Series, that does not grow on trees. That does not grow on bushes. That does not grow. Okay, that does not exist, really. And any opportunity you have to go get a guy like that, you do it, right? And I think, to me, the the key for Blake Snell is consistency. I don't think you can knock him for not pitching into the seventh for a couple different reasons. Mostly because he hasn't had the opportunity to do it because the Rays don't really operate like that, right? They don't let him pitch into the seventh. Just because he hasn't do it doesn't mean he cannot do it. Right. I think that's a key distinction. But I would also say just because he can't do it, he hasn't done it doesn't mean he can't. And I'm not saying that I I agree with you. Right. And so I just think we don't know. Right. And that's that's the problem with uh, analyzing this sample is that, yes, we know that the Rays are always going to take him out before the third time through the order. And that's true in May. And apparently it's true in the freaking World Series. But also, as we know, the dude throws a ridiculous number of pitches usually. Right. That doesn't mean he still can't get better. He's only 28. There's He'll be working with a new pitching coach. Maybe he figures it out and, and figures out like, okay, in the first and second innings, let's try to get a few ground balls instead of, you know, five strikeouts on 40 pitches. And maybe, and maybe but, I'm in better But shape. maybe not. And I think that's maybe okay not. too, right? right? Because, okay, again, Blake Snell, I think, is not in the top crust of starting pitchers in the big right. leagues. He's not in the DeGrom group. 
He's Bieber, not in the Garrett Cole, Cole Bieber group. He's no. not. And that's that's fine. That's okay. Right? <laughs> but he is in the group right below that. And I think in the group below that, he has the highest potential to dominate in any given start. Exactly. Totally. More than those other guys. And for a team like the Padres, where I think it's pretty clear that they're going to make the postseason, mm-hmm. what you need is a guy who can go out and fucking shove it to someone. Mm-hmm. And I yep. think that's exactly what they got. Let's yep. pivot now to Blake Snell, the dude. Because I think he is a different type of cat in a good way. And I think he's the type of human being, like the type of guy who's going to fit really well with the Padres. The Padres build up the vibe of fuck you were fun in 2020. And like, I think a lot of that is what we see on TV, but like talking to people around the league, like the way that the Padres went about it actually did like piss off some old crusty baseball people in the game. Like other teams were like, they haven't won anything and they're acting like it's the Super Bowl, to which you and I would say like, cool, that's great. But like that ticks people off. And I think that Blake Snell, that, please, right? Blake Snell similarly says the shit that people are thinking out loud and doesn't care what people think. And I think on a team of, like with Machado and Fam and, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr., I think that's going to fit in like sublime. I think it's going to be sublime. Yeah. Oh, uh, 100%. And I mean, they just acquired Clevenger, who is maybe a less likable version of that for sure. Um, and, you know, that's a whole different conversation, although kind of relevant now when you consider the Clevengers out for 2021. Right. And I'm sure that's a big reason why they wanted to go get him. But I agree with you. I think personality-wise, uh, Snell's very much his own dude. The Twitch streaming stuff is great, it, not only because it's a way to engage with fans, which I always support, but also, like, he goes on there and is not hiding anything like he'll answer anything he says you know we we make a joke about the slapdick prospects co- comment we talk about him saying you know give me my money when they're talking when they were negotiating over what the season was gonna look like last year but it's all it's like every time he says it's like wow blake snell said this but then you're like well yeah oh, like i can yeah, understand I why that. he said that like of course like that makes sense because like so many athletes and baseball players especially are like tailored and mm-hmm. manicured to you know interact with the press and the public in a very certain particular way where like you, if you're a team, you want to minimize the spiciness that comes out because it's just like not worth your time and energy. But like Blake Snell is legitimately different. Like he is that guy. Like he's not, it's not an act, right? Like that is just how he is. And when he says traded for a bunch of slapdick prospects, like if you're going to have to play with Xavier Edwards, that slapdick prospect, in three years, which he ended up not having to. Like, that might create some tension, and, like, you're going to have to work your way out of that. But if you take a second, you're like, oh, Blake Snell is reacting to this news like the rest of us are, right? He's just saying it out loud while, you know, his other teammates and other people around the Rays are going to be, you know, more, you know, diplomatic about it. And the same thing goes to the give me my money. Every player in baseball, dude, is always thinking in a situation like that, give me my money. Blake Snell will just say it. And I think that I respect that. And I think that kind of energy is going to fit in perfectly with San Diego. I agree. And, you know, on this topic, I am fascinated to see over the next few weeks, once this trade becomes official, once he does his press conference, whatever. And maybe even it'll take a year, right? Maybe it will take some time to have Blake Snell 
fully reflect on not just Game 6 of the World Series, but just being a part of the Rays. And I think that that's something that's also very interesting is is, is the, the members of the Rays. And we'll talk about what, you know, of course, a lot of people were yelling on Twitter about what this means for the Rays. And we'll get into that. But being on the Rays, like Blake Snell was, was, I mean, he's very talented, but it's not like he was a first overall pick. Like he was developed into this amazing pitcher by an organization that allowed him to be his best, right? right. They did. And I, and I know you said, oh, what, what do you mean allowed to be his best? They took him out. Clearly, he thrived with the Rays. You cannot it worked. Deny, that right? relationship, it worked. that combo. Exactly. Blake Snell deserves, you know, a lot and probably most of the credit too. Sure. But like sure, sure, sure. the mixture of Blake Snell and the Tampa Bay Rays pitching development was a match made in heaven. And like maybe Blake Snell becomes Blake Snell on the, you know, Marlins or whatever. We don't know. But this did work. Yeah, and, and when we talk about the Rays and we talk about, oh, this is so bad for people, but it's like, but the guys in the Rays, like Tyler Glass now, you think he wishes he was still on the Pirates? Or you think he, like, he's probably like, this is the best <laughs> thing that ever happened to me, right? And so there's versions of it where it's weird. And, I, and the point is, is to, to keep it on Snell. Keep it I'm on Snell. fascinated to see how he reflects about being on the Rays because I, on one hand, I'm sure he's like, you know, this is great. Like now I can go to a team where I can just go let it loose. And then I'm also sure he's part of it's like, damn, like this sucks. Like that's my squad. You know, he did seem to be really happy to be representing this team. So uh, it'll be very, I'm just very curious to see what we hear from him because to your point, he, he will say it. He, <laughs> he's not, he's not going to not say it. So uh, I, I, I am eagerly uh, waiting to see what, what, what happens. Blake Snell, uh, any other thoughts on Blake Snell, Jordan? No, I mean, again, I will talk about what it means for the Padres. It, they, it's good. He's really good. And whether he's throwing into the seventh or not, like, it's another another reason to watch Padres games. So <laughs> it's uh, that's it's very exciting, and, and I'm happy for him. All right. Before we get into what it means for the Padres and the Rays, let's talk about the actual prospects going back. Now, there is a aspect of any trade made by a World Series participant where they trade away their best pitcher after making the World Series, where the names of the prospects and the players they are doesn't totally matter. Let's talk about that now before we talk about the prospects, because I think that it is fair. Like it, the, These could be the best prospects in baseball, and they make the World Series loser worse the following year. And yeah. so I think any kind of trepidation or hesitance to be like, oh, like to want to know more about these prospects is is warranted. But I do think it is important just like, who are these people? Like, who are these baseball players that they're getting back? And I, there's no one on earth I would trust more to tell me about this than you, Jordan Schusterman. So hit me, hit me with these names. Well, and again, and I don't want to, what I'm most interested in is, is, and why I love prospect stuff and you know this and, and why I hope that our listeners will be like, oh, well, I don't give a shit about this. It's like, it's like, who are these people, right? Because yeah, we can argue about, oh, well, he's this ranked and he's this good. So that means that it's, it's, it is a fair trade for Blake Snell. We're not here to debate that because it doesn't matter. The point is that these four players and people are interesting and that's what we want to talk and about. And one day, probably some of them will become characters in the larger baseball world that we all love. And like, right. there is no better example of this than the David Price trade when Tampa traded David Price away to Detroit for like an, a 17, 18 year old shortstop that no one had ever seen before named Willie Adamas. And I'm not saying Willie Adamas is like the greatest player in the world. And certainly he struggled in the world series, but like Willie Adamas is an interesting, compelling, enjoyable, meaningful player character 
in the world of baseball. And at the time, we didn't know that and they didn't know that. But like these dudes, they're relevant. And so Jordan, tell me about Luis Patino. Well, again, let's start with the one who will be relevant immediately, right? This is not a guy you have to wait for him to come out. And that's Luis Patino, uh, one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. He's a six-foot Colombian right-hander who has one of the craziest... Basically, the Padres saw him in Colombia. They signed him uh, about three years ago, and they were like, damn, he's like a really good athlete. He's throwing 85 to 88 when he signed. And then this was just good old scouting. They're like, this dude's going to throw hard one day. Took less than two years, and he was bumping 100. Now he's got... I mean, his fastball, he's throwing in the Futures game. It is unbelievable. And sure, you can look at what he did in his short big league stand and say, oh, well, that doesn't look like one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. But I'm going to go ahead and throw out uh, what a 20-year-old did in a pandemic-shortened season in 17 innings as not particularly (laughs) uh, predictive. Uh, This guy has about some of the best raw ability in the entire minor leagues. And while I don't think he will immediately be one of the best starting pitchers in baseball, I do believe that if anyone's going to figure out how to help him be his best self. Sorry, it probably is the Rays. And uh, I, I'm interested to see because we saw what they could do with the the mold of clay that was Tyler Glass now. This is a completely different package, right? Tyler Glass yeah. now is like the six foot eight Adonis. And Luis Patino is, looks like a, you know, a 15 year old, but he also throws 100. So I'm excited to see how they work with a totally different version of like, holy shit stuff. Good point here I I, I want to make sure is uh, we have had practice gringos all you gringos fellow gringos out there Acuna Patino not Patino right, we're, 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 I think I think we've I think we've made it I think people say point. Acuna and <laughs> like throw the NA on there but just saying Acuna another had his one. name mispronounced for everyone else like he 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 took it so now that no one fucks up Patino uh, second name in this deal is Frankie Mejia. This is the second trade that Frankie Mejia has been a part of. And he's, <sighs> I would say, one of the most frustrating <laughs> players. And now if you're not, again, if you're just like a casual major baseball fan and you maybe know the name, you haven't really watched him that closely, you'll be like, okay, who cares, whatever. He's a guy who hasn't been in the majors yet. But we've taken an extreme interest in Frankie Mejia, one way or the other, because, I mean, you talk about potential. The tools are just unfucking believable Like, this is a switch hitter with legitimate, ridiculous power and one of the best arms I think I've ever seen from a catcher. I mean, he's made some throws even in his time in the big leagues that are unbelievable. There is, Um, at all times, a 5% chance that Frankie Mejia is the best catcher in baseball at one point in his life. Yeah. 5% chance. And I don't think you could... (laughs) Probably less. And I think... I don't think you could say that about maybe any, like, most other catchers, right? It's a very short list. And... I don't think he will become that. Yeah. We have we know someone who saw him in low A, I believe, or maybe even short season ball in short like season, 2013, yeah. 2012, who was like, Frankie Mejia is one of the most exciting, talented players I've ever seen, and he'll never make it. <laughs> and like pretty spot on. Yeah. And I mean, he made it. Like he, he still, made that it. was in yeah. short season like, ball. You know, he could have flamed out before double A, but but like I mean, his raw raw abilities have gotten him to the big leagues, but it's going to be the same thing. I mean, they traded him away from Cleveland because it was like, can we trust him to catch this veteran pitching staff? Wasn't going to get time in, in San Diego, and now he goes to Tampa, which does not seem like a particularly fun staff to catch either. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to see w- how much he catches or if they just say, you know what, fuck it, let's just make sure this dude can rake because there's also a yeah. lot of potential there. So again, 5%, probably less than 5%. Uh, 
but it's I mean it's when it's right, boy. It's the ceiling it's is fun. nuts. And it's fun. Should say, been watching a lot of him in Dominican Winter League, and he looks awful. He looks awful. Just awful. One hundred percent. But you know. 25 year old switch hitter with, with those kind of, those kind of abilities, you know, you'll, you'll take the chance on that. You, t- you, you, you roll those dice. All right. Yes. Cole Wilcox, Cole Wilcox. Uh, I think this is an interesting one because the fact that he was just a third rounder, even if you could, you could say, Oh, but he got first round money. It doesn't matter. Like it is a fact that he was a first round talent, but since he went in the third round, he's just not as famous. It's just, it's just what it is. No matter how much context you want to give, people aren't going to get the same. If he was taken in the first round, which he signed for $3.3 million, which is essentially the 19th overall pick, people would be like, oh my God, they got a, they got this first round pitcher and they got this and they got, but now it's just like, oh, he's a third rounder, like whatever, Cole Wilcox. Like, no, this dude was really, really, really good. Before the season, it was like, this guy could go 1-1, didn't end up, you know, he's had some injuries and uh, some inconsistencies. But again, this is like, this guy could easily be one of the 10 best pitching prospects in baseball a year from now. So really good not that complicated but the point is is the fact that he's a third rounder not a first just because of the way the stupid draft works uh is why this is less played down but i mean that's pretty big so that's cool that's cool uh and then let's get to the second blake in the deal blake hunt um a guy who if you look up his baseball reference page you'll be like who fucking cares about blake hunt he's he is a 700 ops in 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 a ball who gives a shit well basically uh thanks to our you know our scouting friends uh, who have been watching Instructional League the last few months. Basically, Blake Hunt apparently has made some sort of a leap, but the point is he's still going to be a 22-year-old catcher who's never played an A-ball. I have to imagine the Rays were like, well, Mejia might bust and suck, so we might as well get some more catching depth here and get another talented guy uh, in Blake Hunt. Um, But the last point I want to make about Blake Hunt is that you know high school catchers generally are a disaster. For the last 10 years, if you take a high school catcher in the tough few rounds, he probably will not make it. The Padres in 2017 took two high school catchers in the second round. The first one was Luis Camposano, the, one of the rare ones that actually worked out and is one of the reasons why they're even able to make this deal, they're able to trade two catchers in the same deal and be fine because, oh, right, they just dealt a bunch of prospects to get Austin Nola and they still have another best catching prospect in baseball. So that is the kind of depth that we're, we're talking about that A.J. Preller has built and why you're able to trade two catching prospects that are really good and not really care. So there you go. Those are the prospects, Jake Mintz. Thank you, Jordan. You got it. Jordan Schusterman, the official prospect reporter for Baseball Barbecue. I think that's probably fair to say. I'll take it. Uh, Jordan, let's take a quick break, and we will be back on what this means for the Padres and the Rays. All right, we're back to talk about my dad. Jordan, I'm finally ready to talk about my dad on the podcast. I'm going to open up, just get into it. I actually called my dad yesterday, and I let him know that he's no longer my favorite dad, that the San Diego Padres are now the number one dads in my life. They have usurped your father. Yeah. Congratulations to them. Uh, Now, this was arguably already true at points during the 2020 season. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they have elevated it to a new level. Uh, with this trade. And uh, I think um, before we talk about like, okay, how much better does this make them? They're fucking doing it, man. They're, They're going for it. And this it. is the third. Listen, they 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 went big for Austin Nola, who is a much smaller name, but obviously a, but they trade a lot of pieces for him. And they go get Clevenger. 
and then they go get Blake Snell. And I think it's 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 very it's very fitting for them to go to Cleveland and Tampa and be like, oh, you guys don't want to pay money for good baseball players? That's fine. I'll go ahead and take those off your hands. Here are some prospects that we're not going to need anyway, and we're going to get a whole lot better. I think in life you can respect and admire anyone who's fucking going for it. You know, whether that's your friend who's like quitting their bad desk job to like pursue music as a career, right? Or like to, to like someone is moving by themselves to a place that they don't know anyone, like maybe like living abroad, right? Yeah, or something guys, like that. Guys, I have some yeah. news for you. I'm actually, uh, I'm going to be resigning from baseball barbecue to, to pursue my um, music my career. folk country career abroad. Wow. Tough oh, time to Bobby? start in a pandemic, but I'm Bobby, giving it. I'm gonna Bobby get is to moving to Perth to make bluegrass oh, music. Perth. I was going to say Reykjavik, but that's a good reference. I'm going to start in Ireland. I'm just saying, you got to respect that. Anyone right. who goes for it in life, right? you even tip Bobby. your cat, even Bobby. <laughs> like, yeah, there's some trepidation. Like, oh, what could this mean for this person in the future? And you're a little worried. What if it doesn't work out? For sure. But in that moment, when you say goodbye before your friend Bobby moves to Reykjavik to write country music, there's pride. Edinburgh. Edinburgh to write, to make EDM. There's pride in that. And you you feel joy for that person. And that is the feeling I have this morning for the San Diego Padres. Is and you go the, for it. And what's the other thing? What's the other thing you, you say? You think you say, I hope it works out for them. Hope it works out for them. <laughs> I, I do. Hope it works out for them. I do. I hope, I hope it works out uh, uh, for the Padres. Now, this is, you could also argue that this is really filling the hole left by the Mike Clevenger, Tommy John surgery. So if you're saying, okay, how much better does this make the Padres in 2021 compared to uh, where they were when the season ended? Um, probably not that much better because, again, they lost Clevenger since then, and, and that's tough. Uh, but either way, it's still a hugely important move uh and it is it is the kind of guy that you want to go get to have to face the dodgers as we just saw he's pretty good against the dodgers <laughs> so that'll be that'll be a helpful thing to have um and yeah again it's it, it also shows that they're you know pedals down right and this is not gonna be the last move aj peller makes he's still gonna go keep trying to improve his team and that's very important because the dodgers are still probably I, way better <laughs> i want to talk about aj peller for a second yes let's do okay. it aj peller timeline Gets the gig, I believe, in 2015. I think it was, yeah. And the maybe Padres are boring as shit, right? They're coming off like a couple years as the most irrelevant baseball team maybe in our lifetimes. Impressive stretch of irrelevance. And the first thing he does, sorry, August 2014, okay? He immediately just trades does like eight trades, like brings in Matt Kemp, brings in Will Myers, Justin Upton, signs James Shields. Like he does shit. And at the time, everyone was like, this is a bad idea. This is not going to work. Right. And it was, it was a bad idea and it just super did not work. I guess he did trade James Shields for Tati. So that, you know, who knows? But from the jump, we were like, this guy does shit and is like a wild GM who's going for it. Right. And then it felt like he realized what he had done and was like, okay, maybe I should be like a little bit more patient. And he spent, they spent some time, they built up the farm system, which is what he was really brought in to do and what he did in Texas. And he helped kind of build those early 2000 
you know, really good Rangers teams. And now he did the part of the job I think that he had experience at and that maybe is less fun is the developing the prospects and building up the system. And AJ Preller has been allowed to go full AJ Preller over the last year. And now he has the pieces to fucking swing crazy ass trades. And this morning, I'm just happy for AJ Preller, who is he's living his truth. He's living it's his so best true. life. It's so true. But by the way, let's also say that that you know we mentioned oh 15 all those moves those were a disaster 15 16 they sucked in 2019 it's it wasn't that long ago that they were bad right but then when it switches and when Tati shows up and when he is clearly that guy and when you sign Machado like it really did all click into place at the right time and now they're now they're ready to go and and I think again I think they're going to keep going I would also say oh people want to say wow oh they're he's going to trade all these guys away they're going to come back to hurt him and Patino's this Patino's that. It still isn't even close to Dombrowski. What Dombrowski, they still have a good farm. They still have, you look at the guys that they've kept, right. they still have three or four guys that are going to be top 50 prospects in baseball. And that's that's incredible. And that's impressive. And that's part of his achievement as well. Uh, and that's why you build it up, though. I'm glad that he's traded basically an entire farm system's worth of talent in the last year, because yeah. that's the point. You can't play all those guys at the big league level. And like, okay, Luis Patino, if he becomes an all-star and Snell sucks, I think it'll be looked at like, oh, that's a bad trade. But like, I don't even know if that's the case. Cause like, you know, I think you do need to look at intent here. And like, you build up a farm system to win games at the major league level. That is, at least it should be, the intent behind everything an organization does. Now, we know that's not always true. And we might get to that in a second with Tampa. But Anytime that a team is like using their prospects, trading them in order to be good at the major league level when they should be, you tip your cap and you roll the dice with the player you get and the player you gave away. That's just the name of the game. That's the business. And I, there is no better time to send it than where the Padres are at right now. Exactly. And so many GMs are either not allowed to fully live their truth <laughs> because their owners are too involved or are too scared. And they're GMs that just don't make moves. They're GMs that basically sit and hope that their team eventually ends up good and that that's what it ends up. Okay, well, well hopefully if we don't, we're never going to make any trades, but hopefully the, it falls right. But I was like, no, I'm going to go out and make my team better right now in the ways that I know that I can do. And I would rather go down in a blaze of glory like AJ Preller than a GM who sits on their hands, yeah. right? Exactly, 100%. You think I don't feel that with Jerry DePoto? Are you kidding me? Of course. Me? I, I understand it. Um, last point here. Let's talk quickly about the Dodgers and how it relates to this. Ooh. Yeah, let's talk about the Dodgers. Dodgers, <laughs> Dodgers are still better by a Dodgers lot. And like, <laughs> I don't think that can influence any decisions that the Padres make. No, they I think still got to keep getting closer. They still have to keep getting closer. It's not like the Padres are going to look at the Dodgers and be like, oh, well, they're better. Let's wait till 2028. Like, no. Like, okay, maybe the Rockies <laughs> should do that right. because I don't think there's any chance that they or, you know, the and, Giants. Are and like, maybe the Giants are doing that, right? And right. Arizona, and whatever. Like, we can talk about fine, the but, merits of that, but like the Padres cannot let the Dodgers being a juggernaut influence the way that they like their their strategy. Now, I think it should influence their strategy in terms of like, oh, maybe we should get someone who could get Mookie Betts out, you know? And like they kind of did that. 
Although Mookie Betts kind of crushes Blake Snell, but that's beside <laughs> that's beside the point. But like, I just think that if your reaction to this trade is, oh, the Dodgers are so much better, like, yes, yeah, but, but it doesn't mean the Padres erred. Yeah, right. exactly. Um, but man, I, I gotta say though, just quick Dodgers aside, Joel Sherman had a piece about this uh, last week. Basically being like, hey, the Dodgers, uh, they are, don't forget about them. They could still just sign Trevor Bauer or sign LeMahieu or sign Real Muto or whatever. And like, I totally believe that. And I think it really feels like the Dodgers are in a position now where they're already the best team. And it feels like they're not even like talking to free agents. They basically tell all, this is what I picture. This is totally, I'm making this up. This is not reporting, obviously. Not reporting. They tell, they hashtag, tell all, not, hashtag not a journalist. Hashtag, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they tell all the free agents, say, hey, when you get your final offer, Come, just come to us before you come say back. yes. Just, just, just come to us, and we'll see. But like, oh, oh, uh, Trevor Bauer, oh, for you know, four for one twenty. Yeah, no, we don't want that. Oh, DJ Lemayhu, uh, four for uh, one ten. Actually, you know, yeah, we'll just be four for okay, one twenty. Here's four one four. Okay, here. Oh, now we have DJ Lemayhu. Like they're not negotiating. Right. They're saying like, hey, just, just come, just come, make sure you bring it back to us. That's what I'm picturing, and I feel like it's going to work. And they're going to make one more big move this year, and we're going to be like, God fucking damn it, they are ridiculous. So anyway, that's how I feel about. N- not that any baseball agent needs like. <laughs> An extra reason to check back in with the Dodgers. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. It's just, oh man, they are so good. Anyway, okay, sorry. I know Padres fans listen. They're like, "Fuck you, no, know, it's fine. Said. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. It's fine." Listen, we would love to see the Padres somehow yeah. get up there. But I, th- that is my um, last point: is yeah. that this is very personal and a selfish thing I'm going to say. But over the last decade, I have been non-Dodgers fan stan numero uno. And I am now ready. The Snell trade is not necessarily what tipped it, but it is part of the Dodgers winning the World Series. Is that I am ready. I'm selling that bandwagon, that station bandwagon, and I'm moving my bandwagon to San Diego. Staying in division. All you got to do is win the World Series for me to immediately view you as, you know, an evil juggernaut instead of an unlucky deserving Dude, it's contender. It's so true. It's so just the same thing with the Cubs. Like as the second they won, it's like, oh God, great. I Ugh. don't have to I don't have to want them to Go win Brewers. ever again. <laughs> right. It's like it's so easy. So yeah. Which is I, I which mean, is listen. which is stupid and silly it's and so worthy stupid. of no, a logger. I agree. I agree. Right. I mean that's uh, easier for me to say. So yeah. All in on on the Padres and, and we and, and and like I said, I hope it works out for them. I hope, I hope it works out, out for them. I hope it works out for them. I hope uh all right. <laughs> Let's get let's get gloomy, Jake Mintz. Let's talk about what this means for baseball and well, why this is just shitty of the Rays. But okay. wh- wh- how do you want to talk about this? Because I don't listen. If you want this, if you want the extent of this conversation, I encourage you to logging into your Twitter app. You will get all of just, it. just okay. Tidal wave. We talk of, on this yes. podcast <laughs> often about multiple things being true at the same time, and I think yes. that Good this is that for a number of reasons. I'm gonna say. Let's just say some things that we believe are true, okay? Take it away. This is not a shocking thing the Rays did. They have done this before. They have traded Archer. They have traded David Price. They've traded James Shields at almost their peaks or their peaks. This does not shock anybody. I don't think that that means it's a good thing, but I do think it is important to say that like this is part of a lineage, part of a pattern of how the Rays have operated. I believe that the way that the Rays operate by trading their good players before they get too expensive for prospects down the road makes it very difficult for Rays fans to get emotionally attached to players. And I think that there was a piece by Howard Bryant 
a week ago about why people watch baseball and about the Blake Snell decision, actually, specifically, and about how you want to root for the players to have their moments. And I don't think anybody roots for, you know, no one roots for the uh, getting under the luxury tax and no one roots for, you know, financial flexibility and no one roots for like a savvy future looking move. People root for people, for players. And because the Rays have a revolving door of guys moving in and out, if you're a Rays fan, there's no reason to buy a uniform, a jersey for any player because they're going to be on a different team in three and a half years. And that sucks for Tampa fans. And I I really, that just freaking sucks, man. And you, Jordan, like you're a Mariners fan. Your dudes get traded all the time. And so like, you know that. It's just hard. It's hard to like yeah. really invest emotionally in these players when you know they're going to be out the door. Sure, sure. And, you know, hopefully I'm on the other side of that with Mariners where they're now trying to to bring guys in and not send guys out. But but yeah, it's the same thing. Like it's it's you you want to. Yeah, you're going to stay with your team. And you're going to root for your team, but you want to see it happen with the guy that you get used to. Right. You want to see it happen with the players that you're rooting for when they make their debut and when they are really good and when they are really bad. And like, well, you want us to go through all that instead of just cutting the story off two or three years into it. Um, right. And that's, yeah, that, that is like, shitty. there was something about how the Cubs won where like the guys on the Cubs, the important players in the Cubs, like, I mean, we look now and it's a disaster, but like at the time, like these were the Cubs, they were the guys They came up, they were, they meant, these guys meant something. Anthony Rizzo meant something and will always mean something to a Cubs fan. If the Rays win last year, Right, like G Man Choi means something to raise fans, even if they win. But it's not the same. It's just not that same level of connection and emotion, and it can't be. Now, I think that the Rays got a bunch of very good baseball players who are going to be very good at the major league level, except for Frankie Mejia, one day for the Rays. And like, I trust them to make Luis Patino really good. And I think that like. If you're looking at it on paper, which you just cannot do, again, multiple things could be true. I think the Rays did a good job of getting a bunch of good baseball players on their baseball team. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like that. That, that is that is a true. That is a fact, and yeah. it can't be looked at like you can't just say that because yeah. it's more complicated than that. Yeah, and, and again, right? It's and it, you know we talk about the prospect. Oh well, well, what if well, they didn't get Mackenzie Gore? Or they didn't get Robert Hassel. It's like okay, like you can yell about the the prospect. It's it's the idea that they just traded their best pitcher who was on the World Series team. Yeah, of course they could have gotten a better package. They could have gotten more prospects, but the still the the, the action that you made is still the same no matter who right. you're getting back. Right? These trades, especially now, are very rarely to get another great major leaguer back. They usually are these prospect packages, and sure they might be good one day, and that's good. We, we hope it works out, with Luis Patino, right? But it's just like you said, to trade that guy is it's just bad and, and it's broken. And again, it's it's a, a, a symptom of, of a larger thing, right? Is that, you know, you don't need to hear it from us, but this is what the system promotes. And if the Rays are smart enough, well, we can compliment the Rays and say, yeah, I trust them that they're doing the right thing. But you know what I don't like? 
I don't like that their payroll right now projects to be $59 million, 29th in baseball. And you can say, wow, that's so impressive. Yeah, it is. That's not good. <laughs> it's it's right. very impressive. They're very smart. That's not good. It's not, it's not helpful. That's not what of we, course. I don't want baseball to, to for, for everyone to do that. Look, Jordan, we, we have friends who work for that team. And I admire and I give kudos to the fact that the people at the Rays who work in that front office are able to make the team competitive year in and year out on the field based upon the mandate that they have from the top down, okay? You think the GM of any MLB team wants to have to operate with a $59 million payroll? No way. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that that's the GM's decision. It's definitely not. It's the ownership decision. And so like, I, it is imperative to critique Ray's ownership for not opening the bank a little bit more, a lot more when the team is good, when it's competitive, going for it like the like the Padres are when you're coming off a World Series appearance. You got it. You got to fucking hammer them for that. That's shitty. I also think the front office that has operated under that unfair and restrictive mandate from on high, they deserve praise, kudos for being able to do that. That's hard. That's good work. That is that is like being good at your job and doing it to the best of your ability. And I hope that maybe one day all the people who work for the Rays can go do it for the Dodgers like Andrew Friedman right. did and like right. get to throw some cash around. You know what I mean? Right. But I just think that both of those things are true and important to remember. Mm-hmm. Last point I think I'm going to make here, specifically about this trade. I know earlier I said that the Rays have done this before. I think this is the most extreme example in the lineage of those trades, right? I think this fits in at least compare and contrast with the Archer deal, the David Price deal, and the James Shields deal, okay? At each of those moments, the Rays were never as good or coming off of a season as good as they just had, right? And that's important. And I don't think maybe Price was a little bit better at the time. But I would say that Snell is better than what Shields was at the time, although he was fucking awesome. People forget. And definitely better than Archer. And so, like, the combo of just being in the World Series two games away versus, like, I don't have the records in front of me, but, like, I don't think they were not in contention the season where they traded away David Price. And they were not that good when they traded away Archer. And so I think it is important to look at these trades as a general pattern of how the Rays do business. But I do think that the reason that this specific trade is more egregious is because of who Blake Snell is right now and what the Rays did last season. Yeah, I totally, totally, totally agree. Uh, The last thing on the Rays that I want to talk about, because while I agree that what it means for the larger sport and what it looks like for the fans, is, I, I do want to kind of talk about what the hell this means for them in 2021 because like this is now a situation we know like okay great well we know i trust them to make luis patino great okay let's grant them that right i trust that they're going to come up with a bunch of randos from triple a who are really really good okay fine i grant them that but like right now (laughs) their rotation is glass now yarborough fleming brandon mckay coming off shoulder surgery yanni trance like i don't know brand honeywell Brent Honeywell, hopefully Brent Honeywell, opening day starter. And the main point I want to make about this is like, 
Because, by the way, they let Charlie Morton go for the same reasons, being extremely cheap. He went and signed the exact same deal that they could have had as an option, right? So we know that that already happened. And we know that bullpenning has worked for the Rays, or bullpenning, piggyback, whatever you want to call it, has been a successful remedy for them. But we also know that there are limits to it. We also know that eventually your pitchers get pretty tired, Nick Anderson, mm. right? And I just don't understand if they're going to have all their pitchers throw four to five innings, and now they don't even have any pitchers who probably are good enough to throw six innings anyway. Like, I just feel like this is going to be so exhausting for the pitching staff. And no matter how much depth and how much talent they have, I I don't, I mean, listen, I'm sure they'll still be good, but like, I don't know. It's kind of reaching a point now where like, you know, last year it's like, well, okay, yeah, we know that they're going to bullpen three of the days, but like, well, at least we know we've got Morton to go six today. At least we know we got, we got Snell to go five. And now I don't, I don't know where those innings come from, even in a shortened season. Listen, I'm sure they'll figure it out, but I just, I don't know, man. It's, it feels like it's stacking up to be a kind of bizarre and overworked pitching staff. Of course. And I trust the Rays to find people, pitchers to get outs. Like I, I, there are other things around the world of baseball from roster construction perspectives where I doubt way more totally, than that. Totally, right? totally, totally. That being said, I do think it is an un, it's no doubt a step back. Yeah. It is a step in for next year in the other direction. Right. Yeah. Uh, last, I guess one more thing. I, I, this morning, John, I've been chatting with some, some Tampa ites, okay. Tampa bears, Tampa, tampers. What do you call <laughs> someone from Tampa? Tampering. I think that's what we're talking about. Tampering. Uh, St. Peter and his, their Berg. Berks. Anyway, because right, like I have a, it's tough to get a vibe for what the average Rays fan kind of feels about this. And so I asked around, hit up, when people hit up their contact story and they're asking about trades, no, I'm asking about how the people you went to high school with feel about the Blake Snell trade. And I think the sense that I've gotten is like, for the casual fan, this is really tough for a fan who's engaged and like knows who Wander Franco is and like knows who Vidal Brujan is and like knows about the prospects and cares about like John Curtis. This isn't as devastating. Like it's, it sucks and it's, a, it's hard, but like there's a level of intense fan that's like, oh, I trust the front office. Like they've done this before. They're going to make the Luis Patino good. Yeah. And I think we see more of that on baseball Twitter and in the spaces that you and I operate, because that's the type of fan I think we're interacting with more often. Whereas if you're like a fan who goes to seven Rays games a year and you live in the area, like it's just, why is my favorite player getting traded every three years? Like, why can't I buy, you know, I have this Kevin Kiermaier jersey. Oh, is he the next guy to get traded? Right? Like I think that when the people like us who do baseball analysis are interacting with other people who do and think about baseball the way that we do, right? And I'm not saying we forget about like the average fan necessarily, but like I think that's just important to remember that like not everyone is breaking this down of like, oh, how good was Blake Hunt in in Instructs, right? right? It's like 100%, 100%. where's my favorite baseball player? And it yeah, really can be simpler. that simple. It's and way look, simpler. If Tampa goes out and wins the World Series next year, like that average fan is going to develop emotional connections to the players who win that World Series, right? But again, I just, winning the World Series is the be all and end all of it, right? But there's also something about like doing it with your people and like, you know, Adam Jones never won me a World Series as an Orioles fan and that's okay. And I sit here in 20, 
20, almost 2021, like with a deep emotional connection and loads of respect for Adam Jones. And like he as a player and as a person means something deeply to me as a sports fan. And I think that that's something that like Rays fans don't get to have the opportunity to do. And that really bums me out. Yeah. Like even beyond what this is bad for baseball and the owners being cheap and like teams need to spend money and they're, you know, using these prospects like their property, like all of that shit is also a problem. And I agree with all of it to like, but like to me, my instant reaction of why this sucks is like, I'm just sad for like the nine-year-old kid, like living in Tampa, like who has a Blake Snell jersey and now isn't going to wear it around to school. Like, I don't know. And good luck explaining to the nine-year-old why they're doing this. Right. Hey, listen. So like Blake Hunt was absolutely transcendent in strikes. We really think the bat's going to move forward. And look, Frankie Mejia could really be something. Listen, little buddy, I know that you uh, haven't been watching Estrellas Orientalis. And yeah, he's been struggling at the plate a little bit there. But, you know, and Cole Wilcox, I know you didn't watch a whole lot of Georgia Bulldogs SEC games last year, but I mean, the fastball is really good. Yeah. Where's yeah, Blake Snell? Sure, Where's Blake? I'm, sure, I'm sure that, sure that, uh, that holds up very, very well. Um, there you go. I agree. All right. I think we talked about the Blake Snell trade, Jake. I really think we did. I think we did. This we one, did. at least this first, Blake, the first Blake <laughs> Snell trade. It's like the first. <laughs> right. I mean, it's we like, don't probably like, going to. F- Flip him in 2023 they for the next Fernando Tatis Jr. So. They didn't call it the first world war in 1925. <laughs> great comp. Great comp. Uh, Jake Mintz, uh, <laughs> let us move on. Let us move on. Let us move on uh, and get to the end of this podcast here. Let's do it. Um, but before we do that, we should talk about the other news, which is a smaller trade, but a trade that is, I think, worth remarking on. And that was the move that sent Josh Bell from Pittsburgh to Washington, D.C. We are not privy ever, really, to teams' internal discussions. And in any given offseason, there are probably like eight to ten teams where it's obvious that they're not going for it and eight to ten teams where it's obvious that they are going for it. And then the rest of those teams, you know, those 14 to 10, whatever, 16 teams, they live in this weird in-between crust, this mushy area where we don't know what the hell they're really doing. And so all we can do is look at the moves they make and try and determine intent from those moves. And you, Jordan, see this Josh Bell trade as a clear sign from the Washington Nationals. Yeah. And I think I, I think the Nats are a team, since they were so bad in 2020, coming off the World Series, I think it was just like, oh, well, windows closed. See you later, Nats. Like, it was a good miracle run, and now we can move on. But, like, I just think that while depth-wise, they are still way behind the Braves, obviously, probably going to end up behind the Mets. Uh, and I'm not just saying that to be nice, Bobby Wagner. Uh, you know, projections-wise, going into 2021, um, assuming the fight in Steve Cohen's can, can keep the party going throughout this winter. And Where, where's George time, Springer, guys? Where's George, George Springer? Springer? That's, Bobby, that's the go question away. that I have. Go away. <laughs> go back into your cave, Bobby. Where George in Springer. the world is George Springer? He's... On a beach somewhere, relaxing with the <laughs> money he, he has. Good for him. I hope he is. Uh, I think the Nats should be trying at least one more time to be good and contending in 2021. It's last year of Max Scherzer's deal. I know we're talking about all the crazy shortstops. Max Scherzer, I mean... Th- like he's still one of the best pitchers in the world. And the idea that he's entering his last year, nobody's talking about that at all. And they, they didn't have Strasburg for this year. And they have Juan Soto and Trey Turner, who are basically both MVP candidates. And I just think 
regardless of whether you think Josh Bell is the all-star that he was in 2019, I think he's a good player and he's an upgrade over what they had at first base, which is literally nothing. Um, and I think that they should keep going for it. I don't know if they're going to hand out another huge contract, but I would not be surprised to see them maybe sneak in for a LeMahieu type or trade for Chris Bryant or something like that. And I it think is, they should. I think they should too. It, it really is interesting to look at the Nats. Like few teams have ever gone from winning the World Series to being so incredibly irrelevant in the following season like that. Yeah. Like it, it, I just didn't think about that. It was like, no. oh wow, Juan Soto has COVID like at the weird craziest possible time. Oh, he's like the best hitter in the world. Oh, there are eight other guys on this team. Right. That was the extent to, to our Nationals thoughts. But like Juan Soto Trey could Turner win MVP. hit what? Yeah, exactly. Like and like Juan Soto could just win MVP next year. And you all know that. So like that is a good place to start. And we're not saying, oh, it's like the Angels. Oh, stars and scrubs. They have all these stars, but they still suck. No, but you still have Strasburg and Scherzer. That's way more than the Angels have. And bullpen can be anything. So I just wanted to state here on the record, the Nationals should keep going for it. They are going to suck starting in 2022. I feel very good about that. But they still have a chance here, and they should go for it. And I think Josh Bell is a decent place to start. So credit for them for doing that. All right. As for the Pirates, they're going to keep on being terrible. Like... <laughs> <laughs> but, when, but yes I mean you know I think that it is important to when you have a bad team and I've talked about this a lot with the Orioles is like when you're bad I think it is important to give your fans someone to care about and Josh Bell has been that and yeah. I think that trading him away it, it does mean something to the fan base it, it, it doesn't change the trajectory of the Pirates future but like Someone sent me a picture of a sad kid holding up a Josh Bell jersey that they got for Christmas. Like, that's a bummer. That's, that's a fucking really bummer, shitty, right? We we just talked about, and of course, it's not the same thing with the with Blake Snell, where you're just in the World Series. It's like, why are we trading our best pitcher? Like, no, you the Pirates are the worst team in baseball, and they're trying to you know add to we yeah. have, we you know the cycle. Listen, we we know that teams have cycles. We know teams are going to be, be right. good, and then they're going to be bad. Whatever. But there is um, collateral there, and I think yeah, that is, is like 100%. emotional collateral to that, right? Like. 100%. That kid um, who gets the Josh Bell jersey, like, he's not like, oh, man, like, we're going to be good in six years? Like, no, <laughs> right. likes watching Josh Bell fucking hit dingers. Yeah, into the Allegheny River, which he's done multiple times. Uh, last point on Josh Bell. Um, yeah, was he disappointing in 2020? Of course. Would you maybe not be super motiva motivated to be your best self playing for the worst team in baseball during a pandemic? Hmm. Also probably true. <laughs> so so uh, I feel a little bit better about him being a little bit more jazzed up hitting behind Juan Soto. I feel like that seems a little bit more fun than playing for the Pirates good, in 2020. Good for the vibes. Yes, um, good for the vibes. All right, Jordan. Uh, that's all any, we got. I got a, uh, any uh, uh, updates on biking to Chicago. Uh, Bobby Wagner tweeted a video of a gentleman, I believe, uh, fully prone on a bike seat, legs in the air behind, basically supermanning on a bike, flying downhill at 40 miles an hour plus. And Bobby tweeted, Jake, in the home stretch to Chicago. Um, a, a famously hilly. city at the end of a hill. <laughs> yes. In the heartland of America. Uh, if you don't do that at some point, I'm going to be pretty disappointed. Or at least attempt it. Although, okay. it's been my stated position that it's very important for you not to get injured. Yeah. So... Maybe don't try that without practicing. Have yeah, I'm gonna practice. I might go out there today and, and rip a couple of these off just to see how it feels. I, I, how I do, do you think, even practice something like that? That feels like playing with fire. Like, do you practice at home on like a stationary bike? Or I think it's trial by fire. I think it's. I think you it's, think it's so. 
how many times do you think this guy tried this before doing that in that video? Like a thousand or like five? Oh, no. I think that he tried it once and was like, oh, I can do this. Yeah, I think it's a thing you can either do. Like if you do it the first time, then you, you got it. Yeah, and if you don't do it the first time, then you, you retire. Got pretty hurt. Then you're in the hospital. Yeah, um, I do think want. it is important to bike to Chicago with flair. I'm not trying to do like a DJ LeMahieu ride, where I just get the job done. You know, check it off a list. So I, I will give this a whirl, this move a whirl, just to provide you all with an update. Been on my stationary bike, uh, doing I'd probably say about 150, uh, 200 miles a week right now, which is nowhere close to what I'll be doing on my ride to Chicago. But, you know, I feel good and uh, ready to start pedaling. We have no idea when this is going to happen, especially no idea. because we don't know when this is going to happen. But my but, body's body's ready. But we have not forgotten, and Jake will get working on his uh, bike stunts uh, as soon as possible. I have to do BMX tricks in the air. <laughs> um, <laughs> to BMX okay. your way to Chicago. Uh Jake Mintz, Bobby Wagner. This has been a wonderful podcast. Bobby, thank you for producing this. Thanks. Uh, thank you to Jake Mintz for hosting this with me. Thanks. Uh, I would like to say that as we record the end of this pod, uh, there is a report from Joel Sherman saying that the Padres are the front runner for Korean shortstop Ha Sung Kim. Now, by the time you hear this, we maybe will have that news or not. The point is, is it tr- if that is true, that is freaking bizarre. I don't know where he's going to play, but the point is, is it goes back to what we were saying before, Jake Mintz. Hope it I works hope, out for them. I hope it works out. I hope it works out for them because, damn, that's fun. And uh, I oh, think they're they're moving in. They're good. moving in together. Hope it works out for them. Hope it works out for them. Since this know, is my last dude. podcast before my folk country career, do you guys want to let me have like a spare five minutes to talk about Mets bullpen depth, or you think? Oh, we don't have well, no time I mean, for that? that was your Bobby. You you made the decision. You you can't. Can't go back. Like you got to go all in. You got to go. You got to move. You got to. You got to publish this. No one wants to be the Phillies. I'm going for it. (laughs) The DefCon scale is increasing every day that the Mets don't sign George Springer. By the way, that meter is ticking up. All right, let's end this thing. Okay, goodbye. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Jake. Thank you, listeners. Talk to you soon.